When I was looking for a new role, I reached out to someone in my network to refer me for a job in their company. Now, admittedly, that role was a reach for me. It was two levels above where I was, but I was confident that I could do it. My connection replied back saying that he wouldn't refer me because he did not think I was qualified. His company did not do level ups when hiring. I am grateful to him that he took the time to reply and also explain to me why not. He was trying to help me and I am thankful for that. But his response really threw me off my balance. I felt embarrassed. Oh, maybe I was overreaching. Even though I knew I could do the role, it had taken a lot of courage to apply since the title was bigger than the one I had. So being told emphatically that I am not qualified really hurt my confidence. I was like, maybe I should be looking for a lateral move. Then I realized that this person did not know me. They knew me 10 years ago. They had not seen me grow into a leadership position. They did not know what I could do today. They were only going on based on my title. But I knew what I could do. I knew what I am capable of. I had applied because I believed I could do the job. It took a lot of work on my side to hold on to my conviction, to stay on the path I had picked. So if you have been told, you cannot do this. This is not your role. You are not qualified. You are not worth this much. You are not alone. My today's guest, Alex Carroll, talks about her story of getting a similar message during an interview and how she continued to define her own value. Hi there. You are listening to Unseen Battles, a podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes stories from women leaders. This is your reminder that as you work through your career struggles, you are not alone. I'm your host, Parul Goyal. Every two weeks, I'll bring you raw, honest conversations with a successful leader about a challenge they faced and how it changed them. So, let's get to it. Alexandria Carroll, who goes by Alex, is an entrepreneurial strategy and operations leader. She has done many things in her career, spanning from tech to consumer retail and investment banking. She's the founder of License to Drift, a leisure travel planning assistant, and is responsible for the growth of a future-of-work startup called Undock. Alex comes from a family of strong women. Her grandmother wanted to be a Latin teacher. And although she couldn't fulfill her dream, she influenced her daughters and granddaughters to become teachers to those who come after them. This is a value that Alex has been living since elementary school. And it goes beyond just teaching skills. It is teaching them how to live their truth, how to not let others box you. Alex, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You and I are going to talk about defining your own value. And you were in a situation where somebody challenged your value. So can you tell us what happened? Yeah, certainly. Um, so a good chunk of my career to date has, has been in the retail industry. And um, I was sort of at an inflection point where I enjoyed my role and was looking to sort of stretch myself in more of a management um, position within the same function. And so I was fortunate that I got an interview at like a large internet retailer um, and was really excited about it and was 
um, in the super day uh-huh. and really having a great experience and felt like I was firing on all cylinders throughout the day um, and really felt a connection. And then my last interviewer of the super day came into the room and her opening line was, so on your resume, I see a lot of academic success, but not professional success. And I was kind of like, who says that? <laughs> like in an interview, like wow. so, uh, basically those, them fighting words, but what are you getting at? And so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I paused for a second so that I didn't, so that I could give her a measured response to that type of opener. Um, and I, in the way I interpret it was that based on my review of her LinkedIn profile previously, she was someone who had in her 25 year professional career, I think worked at two, maybe three companies. So started from a very junior assistant and worked her way up. And in contrast, I was, I had switched from investment banking into retail. And this was sort of my second opportunity in retail. And it must have rubbed her the wrong way that I didn't follow the path that she followed. Um, And so I sort of proceeded to ignore her comment Mm -hmm. and speak directly to how every experience I had had previously made me um, perfectly equipped for the type of professional they needed for this role. And the good thing is I was coming into that uh, interview like really confident because of how well I knew I was doing and she was maybe the sixth interview of the day and so it was kind of like where did that come from (laughs) um and so the the way it all ended up working out was that I was actually extended the offer um for that company the woman who made that comment to me she would not have been my direct manager but she would have been my boss's boss she would have been your skip level so she would have had a big impact on your she would have had a big exactly she would have been you know if i were pushing to change teams later or do something new like it may have had to go through her so you know naturally even though the opportunity was great the hiring manager was great uh i was reticent to subject myself to someone who clearly had some you know preconceived notion about yeah the the fit level for you know what I could bring to the table even though I could I sensed that she probably knew that everyone else was going to like me and so she begrudgingly had to like me (laughs) but I didn't want to subject myself to that so I I ended up passing on the opportunity but it was a good primer for the opportunity that I took next in terms of doing well in the subsequent interview for another company. I have to compliment you, Alex, you know, that to interviews in general are a very stressful situation for many people, right? You know, you kind of, you are trying to prove yourself to this, to someone you have never met before and to be put in such a situation and you kind of were able to recover very quickly. You really answered the question she wasn't even asking. You just addressed her, her doubts. Um, Was there a moment there where you felt like, that maybe she's right? Like, like, was there ever, did self-doubt ever surface when you heard that question? You know, I, I think maybe this speaks to um, the importance of preparation for interviews, because to your point, the slightest thing could throw you off your game because yeah. you're already coming from an emotion of, I want to make a good impression. Yeah. And so if she had said that to me, 
and I didn't already have any context for her background, I see. then I might not have known how to navigate the response. Mm-hmm. But because I had looked her up on LinkedIn, and I, like I said, I kind of assumed where she was coming from is, you didn't work a decade in one place like me, and then a decade in another place like me. And so therefore, kind of prove yourself to me, you know, was sort of the, the subtext of what she said, in my opinion. Um, and so because of that, I was a bit more armed to sidestep got, got it. Okay. <laughs> that type of, you know, yeah. landmine of a prompt. Yeah. Um, but I, and, and also too, I'll, I'll acknowledge the benefit of luck in that, you know, or sequencing and that I had felt so good throughout the day mm-hmm. that it was pretty hard for her to like knock me off of my high. I just kind of, I honestly meant more so like made a judgment about that's really poor candidate experience. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. I, then I actually doubted myself, but you know, when, but little jabs like that can accumulate though. Right. Mm-hmm. So like maybe if I had gone to another interview and like somebody made some other slight like then maybe it's something that I would have started to mull over or second guess myself. So I think it's important to kind of like catch anything, you know, that comes at you weird when it happens and decide for yourself, is there any truth to it? Um, In which case, even if it's said sort of disrespectfully, but is it, is a real, a developmental area. And so in that case, fine, I'll own it and make it better. But if it's really just someone's, random opinion that <laughs> that has nothing to do with your you know ca- capacity and intellect then then you kind of learn to like let things roll off your back I think yeah I thought you did really well in in just understanding right away and part of it was because of your prep because of your knowledge of her background in knowing like this is not about me like this is really you know uh, her her views are being shaped by her own experience Mm-hmm. So I I told you this when we during our <laughs> earlier call. So I have at this point 16 years of experience, right? And I still have uh, recruiters reaching out to me for product owner uh, opportunities, mm-hmm. something I would have considered maybe 10 years ago. And sometimes it makes me like I have this visceral reaction. I was like, is that what you think I want to do? <laughs> and 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 you're right. Like you know, the, the second later, I was like, I don't think they even read my profile, and I don't think I think maybe they're doing the spray spray approach. So I think, mm-hmm. I think, and for you to be able to do it in an interview where you're able to do, say, well, actually, it's not about me is very commendable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true for like in an interview or even if you encounter it, if you're unfortunate and encounter it as, a, you know, after the fact yeah. in your manager or somewhere in your chain of command, like, of course, take all feedback if, with a lens to like grow from it. But sometimes people just have their own hangups and you can't. Yeah change that and I think um when you're fresh out of undergrad you're so eager to please but then after several years in the workplace sometimes you realize like there's not that much difference between me and the person who's managing me (laughs) and so you sometimes have to take it you know take their things with a grain of salt yeah so Alex looking back I know you already did really well in this situation would you would you have done anything differently Good question. I mean, probably from my like investment banking training, I do a lot of stuff in the prep process. So not only do I look at the interviewer list and look at their backgrounds, but I usually like read the annual report of the company 
and do a number of other things so that like I'm prepared for any types of questions. Um, but from a, I guess, preparing for different personalities or preparing for, um, yeah, different lenses on my experience. That's not something that I would have ever expected before because I would have imagined you've already seen my resume and I've gotten this far. So like, it just felt like a weird thing to get that feedback so late in the process. But, um, you know what, like, even though it caught me off guard, I wouldn't have wanted to even brace myself for something like that. Cause it's just such a negative yeah. perspective to take into an interview. Like I was going to say, Oh, maybe I could like, you could scenario this, that, and the third, Yeah, but I don't, I don't even really believe in letting that type of negativity come into your interviews. I think what's probably more important is like, think about a centering thought. So if someone says something to you that is either you feel like you're not equipped with an answer right away or something, something that can help you like low, reduce your heart rate and really like focus inward and not feel so much pressure to like answer immediately. Just take that five seconds to yeah. breathe. And so whatever sort of techniques um, help with that, like I said, luckily I wasn't that tripped up by it, but that's probably a good thing. So like whenever something comes out of left field, having some sort of mindfulness or centering techniques that don't knock you off your game, particularly, you know, where you're coming in confident because you know that you know the role. Um, that's maybe something I would suggest. Yeah. So just being comfortable with silence, being able to say, uh, let me think about it. Right. Not mm -hmm. feeling, not feeling the pressure to just jump in and, and either be defensive or be able to give an answer. No, I, it's super important and also very hard to do yeah yeah it's it's something you can tell yourself and then when you're in it you do feel like 10 seconds feels like an eternity and you're like yeah. oh my god I haven't said something compelling and it's been 10 seconds and you have to, <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of yeah. like allow give yourself some grace and be like he or she will be fine I'm gonna take my time I'm, yeah. and and respond so I'll tell oh, yeah. you about a time I was on a call and there was this this particular person and, you know, he kind of had a history of what I perceived as microaggression. I don't think mm -hmm. he would have described it that way. So it was my meeting. I was leading it. And suddenly he's like, oh, you know, I have to drop off. So I think you need to reschedule. And I was like, OK. And, and I actually <laughs> did ha hang up. Right. I said, OK, let's just end the meeting. And later on, I was like, wait, why did I do that? Like, and it was really yeah. at the time I just felt on the spot. And I could have, like, if I had taken even 10 seconds to think about it, I would have said, okay, you know what, why don't you drop off? And then we will let you know if there are action items for you. <laughs> so then yeah. the advice I got from my career coach was to practice saying that in front of a mirror so that when I am mm. in a situation, <laughs> I can actually <laughs> execute. <laughs> no, it's funny you said that. I was just reading... Um... So like in that in that interview example, not with this particular woman, but earlier I had to do some sort of like, uh, you know, analysis math on the mm -hmm. spot. Um, and one of these sort of interview techniques, people that I follow on YouTube was saying to practice doing like math in front of a mirror because yeah. it, it simulates the somebody staring at you yeah. and feeling like this pressure to <laughs> answer right away. So I was like, 
if you have to do, you know, rapid calculations uh, and you want to try to avoid making mistakes, just practice doing like write down hard math problems and then practice doing them in front of a mirror and it simulates this pressure. So it's funny that you said that. Actually, I think it's a really good trip for, uh, tip for uh, interview prep, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're sitting across from somebody while well, now is sitting, you know, uh, somebody staring at you through a, a screen and, <laughs> and then you're doing that exercise. So, Alex, you also mentioned that, you know, this was just one person, you know, in an interview. But over mm-hmm. time, the jabs can actually just wear away or really erode your confidence in yourself. What mm-hmm. has worked over time for you where you have been able to say, no, I'm going to have a filter, a pretty healthy filter to see what, you know, what, what I take seriously versus I say, no, no, not right now or not ever. Certainly, like the process of finding the kind of like functional expertise, what that you're passionate about and like have cultivated some strength in. Because um, I think when, I think why you're more vulnerable to that when you're a younger professional is because you're still learning. Right. Yeah. And so anything anybody says, you're like, well, yeah, they're probably right because I don't know anything yet. But then like once you hit to the kind of, you know, maybe even five to eight year window in your career where you're like okay i have some depths of expertise um honestly yeah i think it really just comes with like maturity you start to learn um like triggers that have nothing to do with you in terms of and and not even necessarily seeing them all come at you but seeing in meetings people who get railroaded or silenced or whatever and 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 noticing oh, that person didn't really deserve that or like, you know, whatever the case was. And so I think in my case, it's more just by like observation that people bring their whole lives with them to work for better, for worse. And sometimes it's something that happened on their train commute that had nothing to do with you. Um, But what I will say is previously, if it was, is a persistent pattern, um, I might have just like more just decided, oh, that person is not a good human. (laughs) And so I'll try to mitigate my interaction with them. But I've gotten more comfortable with calling people out, not in a group setting, but one-on-one. Like, so, hey, so-and-so, I noticed you made, you know, whatever comment in like the cross-functional meeting. Um, It seemed like maybe we weren't on the same page and I couldn't really understand why um there was this sort of strong resistance or whatever you know whatever the case may be can you explain and a lot of times it's funny I'm thinking of one person in particular where like I think she just wasn't even aware whatever it must have been something either going on on her team or something going on in her life and it um, it just like snapped her out of it and then since that day our interactions were totally different. Like she was so much more friendly, so much more um, inclusive. And I think sometimes, yeah, if if people don't feel like publicly embarrassed, like I could have easily snapped back at her in a group meeting, right? But I was like, that's not worth it. But I I also wanna nip this in the bud because it's not an acceptable dynamic to have in a team. Um, So let me just pull her aside um, and not in a like, let me schedule 20 minutes for the, with you, but just kind of like, oh, I happen to be passing you on the way to the bathroom and just kind of say something in a very casual setting. I feel like a lot of times calling attention to it, um, 
but in a non in a way that doesn't put people on the defensive yeah. can resolve a lot of things sometimes because people just are not aware of what they're exuding <laughs> so yeah. how they're coming yeah. across the impact they're having on others right yeah yeah and i think most people don't want to be negative want to be perceived that way yeah yeah so the goal is just number one find your own grounding right so that you're not really thrown off balance by such by such comments and like you said some of that comes with maturity once you develop confidence that you're good at something you know mm-hmm. then it spreads in other areas of your life <laughs> and the stretch goal is what you said is being able to call out people uh, you know for this behavior respectfully giving them a chance making them aware yeah exactly so, so yeah go ahead alex uh, oh no i was just going to say cuz like it's not it's not healthy for you to carry around that like hostile you know what i mean some people might deserve it but what i think i've realized over time is that it's more detrimental to me to come in and being like oh this person is like every waking second i have to spend you know having that as a back in the back of my mind so i think it's hard but like teaching trying to give people grace from the beginning and assume that it's something that doesn't have to do with you personally which which also then makes you more willing to have those yeah. conversations um Alex let me tell you if i had learned not to take things personally <laughs> i would have honestly i would have sa- saved myself probably days of just you know just angst and tears right and things that yeah. were not even about me that i assumed yeah oh easier said than done i mean i say this and then on that person who's like texting my best friend like can you believe <laughs> you have to <laughs> you have to have people to vent to but you know yeah keep it keep it together in the in a broader setting <laughs> yeah that's true so alex any last advice for you know for other people especially women who might be you, you know who might face, face such uh, i want to say almost unfair evaluation or criticism in interviews or other situations like how how would you suggest they deal with it how do they make sure that they even in such challenges when such challenges come up they are defining their worth rather than having somebody else define it for them not so much like a new year's resolution but just if you're aware of your own personal growth goals right then you're less likely to if somebody tells you something that's true mm-hmm. right or or it is true to the extent that it is something that you can improve on but you've already accepted that it's true um and you've already made a plan to tackle it i i think it is less harsh feeling yeah. because you're like you can you can think of it positively to yourself as like i've done a great job at assessing my own strengths and weaknesses and i am already have an action plan to go from a to b um and so i think really being comfortable doing your own sort of self assessment yeah um allows you to take the good in the feedback which is like hey this is something you can work on and ignore the um the tone or the method in which you get yeah. the feedback um and also give you some confidence that hey yeah yeah i'm working towards the right things yeah. i think um another thing i guess for like women navigating uh you know whether it be like 
team meetings or interviews. Um, another thing, it, it, it could just be like, kind of like what I did in that interview. There's a narrative that I want to get out. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm perfect for this job for these reasons. Regardless of what you say to me, yeah. my thesis and the subsequent bullet points are going to get out in this interview. So it's kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, getting media, like yeah. media training in a sense where yeah. like celebrities can like, and politicians can spin. Like you asked this, but this is what I want to say. Talk about, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, maybe some version of that, like figuring out whatever version of that makes you feel the most comfortable um, is, probably another tactic where you're like, okay, in one ear, I'll, you know, I'm going to take whatever nugget I can latch on to spin the thing that I want to share. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether it be for a project or something personal about your own, you know, fitness for a team or whatever. That is really good advice. Alex. <laughs> like, I think once you realize that I still have an agenda, right? I still yeah. have this job in front of me that I need to get done. So I am just going to continue doing that. That also helps with depersonalizing, right? You're focused on not on yourself, but on, on, you know, what's in front of you right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Thank so again, you. easier said than done. But I think those are some like tactics that like, I've internalized. <laughs> nice. yeah, yeah. So we're going to change tracks a little bit here, Alex. Sure. So, you know, we have been home for a year now and there is this digital fatigue setting in, the Zoom fatigue setting in. I know I go from meetings to meetings and there is a vaccination on the horizon. So Amen. many people, I, I know, right? Like, I cannot <laughs> wait. Many people are probably planning their trips, looking forward to meeting their family and friends. And you have a product that can help plan some of those trips. Can you tell us about that? Yes, of course. Um, so I am the founder of a leisure travel website called License to Drift. Um, and it is essentially a trip planning assistant that um, the ethos of the site is let your passion be your guide. So based mm -hmm. on your hobbies and interests, we try to match you with experiences and destinations that may not already be on your bucket list and really sort of expand your consideration set for where you could spend a vacation that is perfectly aligned with what you want to do on the ground. Um, and I, yeah, I know the feeling of like chomping at the bit for, <laughs> I'm a very cautious about the virus. And so I haven't really yeah. gone too many places, but um, I, there's definitely that pent up demand. And like, it's funny because um, in my pursuit of license to drift and also navigating work from home and the constant Zoom meetings, um, I actually got involved with another um, startup called Undock, mm -hmm. which um, the way this came about, which is very much the nature of startup land because um, founders are so commiserate with each other. <laughs> uh, one of the co-founders of Undock remembered that when we met about license to drift, one of the things that I said was like, my calendar runs my life. Mm -hmm. If I don't look at my phone at any given point in time, I don't know where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be working on. <laughs> and I think at that point I had like three or four email addresses that all had different things going on between personal startup, et cetera. Okay. And so Undock is basically a calendar app that is sort of reinventing ways to schedule, meet and document work. Um, and one of the things I really love about it is like, I would sometimes, have you ever like sent someone an email, they want to meet with you and you're like, oh, I'm free Thursday. 
from three to six and then they don't respond yes. for like a several days and you forgot that you proposed yeah. that time to them yeah. then you end up double booking with somebody who's more quick yeah. to respond yeah. so undoc kind of like does pulls out your of your availability times that you've proposed to other people and makes it really seamless to manage your calendar and schedule with contacts so it's funny because like on the one hand the zoom fatigue that i'm currently in and will probably persist uh-huh. Uh, I'm tied to a startup that's solving that problem and making meetings more bearable and better yes. and seamless. And then on the license to just side, when we can all go out in the open, <laughs> uh, you know, helping you find rejuvenating experiences to like get away from the screen time. <laughs> Yeah. So. You know, just yesterday, uh, I was doing this back and forth with somebody to find a time. And then they had proposed a different time. I didn't see it. Uh, and obviously, we missed that window. And now we have had to move it out by a few few weeks. And yeah. I cannot wait to go, you know, see my parents, but also like go somewhere different. So I like I cannot <laughs> wait to use both of your products, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. No, for sure. I think people are like, oh, I can do something other than or soon enough. Yeah. I can do something other than just booking a house and like a, a new yeah. location where basically I'm doing the exact same thing. Same and just thing, like yeah. in Vancouver. instead yeah. of at home. <laughs> But I can actually be in the street and, you know, partaking in restaurants and all of that. So that's true. So Alex, if our audience want to connect with you or get to know more about you, how can they how can they reach you? How can they find oh, you? Sure. So um, I'm Alexandria Carroll on LinkedIn. Um, I think my like LinkedIn, you know, slash, stem yeah. is just Alexandria slash is Alexandria Carroll. And um, on Twitter, I'm X-M-I-S-S Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, because my favorite holiday is Christmas. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. And I will include both of those. Uh, in the episode notes as well, uh, as well as the information about License to Drift and Undock, the, the product you. so that our audiences can find them. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your unseen battle with us. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, help me spread the word by sharing the episode with a friend you think would like it.